Episode of the Snap No Tap podcast. I'm with I'm Tony Chikini with Joe Cardo, and we got a very special guest coming up shortly that we'll introduce. Um, we're we're starting to get hit with the heat wave here, but not like Texas is getting it, right, uh, Joe? I have no idea what's happening in Texas, but are they getting it bad? bad? Yeah, we're actually catching a break now, man. We had, uh, I'm, yeah, it's actually going to be below eighty now at sundown. I'm looking forward to it. And actually, because of the rain, I've I've had two rainbows today. So this is this is a good sign for the podcast. I think things are going to go well here. Well, you run your mouth again like you did today at the seminar. You're going to have a black eye. That'll add some color to your rainbow because I'll give you a good right cross. That's another thing we forgot to cover that today. Uh, the uh, the the combination that you wanted to do, we forgot to. Well, we ran out of time. We were just busy with the guys. So I want to say a shout out to all the guys today and the guys that showed up yesterday, Joe Dankowski being one of them. Uh, it was it was cool, man. Good good to see you, Joe. I haven't seen Well, introduce him and then, then we can yeah. get to uh, It's surprising that it's taken this long, uh, but we am very happy to have our good friend, Joe Dankowski here. Uh, he goes way back with us. Uh, I, I can't remember. I think you started training at the... Um, with us, I mean, I know your training goes way before that, um, at the Bensonville uh, yeah. Tool and Die. And then we later on, uh, we started doing working out uh, kind of regularly at the Cheetah Gym uh, up in Andersonville. But we'll get into that. But it's cool. It's just, you know, it's been along so long. So it's just surprising that it's taken us long to get you on. So I'm really happy. I'm excited to kind of just hear your story. Obviously, Tony and I know you, but there's parts of your life that I'm sure we don't know about. And I'm happy to introduce you to our audience. Well, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I know we couldn't uh, sync our schedules up, but uh, yeah, always great uh, seeing you guys. Good to see you guys yesterday. And uh, yeah, finally uh, glad to be here. Yeah, people don't understand. It's hard to sync these schedules. You know, it really is. You would think, oh, what's the big deal? But, you know, nowadays it, it, it's it's hard. We, we um, Joe had a guest on the other day and I, my internet, we didn't have, there was no service out here. Uh, and, and I was feeling a little under the weather as well, but we didn't have any, I didn't have any internet. So yeah, things happen, but man, it's, it was great to see you yesterday. I was surprised to see you walk in and certainly good to have you. So Joe's the man, Joe, Joe C, we got Joe C and Joe D. So th- like Joe C and Jody, that's the quickest way to remember it. Um, and Joe's the guy that answers or asks all the, the great questions because, you know, not only is Joe the best looking guy that ever lived according to himself and, and billions uh, of, of others, but he's also one of the world's greatest intellects. Isn't that true, Joe? Absolutely. And you know, the, you were talking about our guest last week and I kind of, I'm kicking myself because even, even as great as my mental powers are, sometimes there's a lapse and I forget things. 
And I was going to ask him, you know, he's an expert in anatomy and physiology. Just, uh, you know, you could, you know, poke his mind with all kinds of questions. It's just, uh, but I, I forgot to ask him, how is it that as time goes on, I get better looking? Is that normal? You know, is that expected? What is that called? What is that phenomenon? I, and we, I think we really could have, should have dug into that, but we'll have to get next time he's here. I don't think he's got the answers for that because Joe, I think you're what, you're what's called an anomaly. Uh, a freak of nature. Um, you're otherworldly. Earth terms and earth scientists and doctors, I don't think that they can grasp, you know, your totality yet. Your, well, yeah, your entity of, of physical pulchritude. It's interesting because that came up on the, the podcast a little bit because he's a man of science, but he's also was a spiritual guy. And we talked about how science answers a certain range of questions, but certain questions like how my looks progress maybe are in the realm of the supernatural and are really the realm of priests and philosophers and prophets and things like that. And that cannot be answered. And schizophrenics. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So well, let's get back to Mr. Dankowski because, you know, we've waited 10 years or however long we've been doing this podcast to get him on. Yeah. So Joe, um, like we're going to introduce you. Like, so you're a Chicago native. Is that correct? Did you grow up here? Yeah, I'm, I'm born and raised. Uh, yeah. 36 years old and yeah, uh, growing up, uh, right, right, uh, Northwest side, my whole life. And, uh, you know, my parents, uh, both, uh, my, my mom came from Cuba actually. And, uh, my dad was born and raised in Chicago. Um, so yeah, kind of, uh, been here all my life. Now, did she, how did she immigrate and meet him in Chicago? Is that how that kind of worked or? Yeah, she did. So, uh, they actually met in nursing school, believe you or not. Yeah. Uh, both of them were nurses. Uh, my dad at a different time in life, he was, uh, there's about a, roughly about a 15 year gap between, uh, their ages. So my mom was in nursing school and my dad had kind of had all these factory jobs, kind of got tired of, uh, you know, the layoffs and, uh, you know, they're shutting down the plants and all that stuff. So somebody had mentioned to him, Hey, go to nursing. It's a, it's a good, good field. And sure enough, you know, went into it. And that's how he and my mom met both at uh, different stages of their life. But that's, that's how they uh, came to be. That's cool to find uh, out. Hats off to him because, you know, doing this anatomy and physiology class, which t- to me is just like getting the beginning for a lot of these people who are doing nursing schools. It is hard as hell. You know, like I've done a lot of IT classes, other things, it is no joke, you know, the, the amount of information, you know, the the different landmarks on the bones and, you know, the muscles, It every week after week, you have to really bust your ass memorizing. I was worried because, you know, obviously a man of advancing years, memory is not like one of, the, one of my fortes. Um, so, yeah, anybody who's willing to switch gears like that and like say, hey, I, I'm doing X, I'm just going to go for it and do Y, that's impressive. It takes yeah. guts. Yeah, my dad was an interesting guy. Uh, he uh, did all sorts of things. Big fisherman, uh, big into motorcycles, uh, rode motorcycles, worked on, built, uh, worked on cars, built cars, stuff like that. Um, rode horses, all sorts of different things. Uh, yeah, so a lot of different stages of his life uh, before going to nursing. So, yeah, it was definitely a shift in gears for him. Did you, while you're growing up, did you work on cars a lot with him? No, that didn't work out well. You know, uh, <laughs> never been a car guy myself. 
you know, we still actually have two of his bikes in the basement that uh, uh, at my mom's house that we're still trying to uh, figure out how to sell. One's the full, like full, full body. And the other one's kind of like partial body. So if you know anyone looking for uh, old motorcycles that knows, knows how to do something with that, you know, let me know. Cause she's been looking to get rid of that since he passed. Um, but yeah, me and him never, never got into that. That was his thing. I was kind of more into like sports and athletics. Uh, he was, he was more into that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that kind of, uh, segues into the question. So was the growing up was the, so the sports thing was not something you got from your parents? Uh, neither of them really did sports. Like my mom being uh, an immigrant, uh, you know, it was kind of, she came to America at eight years old, uh, with other relatives in my family. Um, and it was kind of, uh, you know, go to school, get a job, uh, make a living like that. That is the goal, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're in America time, time to work, right. That was kind of the mentality that my mom had, um, very hardworking woman, um, and then my dad, he was into sports at an early age, but it wasn't really his thing. Again, he was a big fisherman. If I could, it, I can't even begin to explain how much fishing equipment is left uh, after my dad passed. I mean, you name it, he's got it. Uh, he, he was so into it. The amount of books that he had, the amount of stuff that he would create on his own, not just purchase. Uh, so my dad was a fisherman, you know uh, throughout. Uh, so yeah, very, very different hobbies. Did he, um, take you on a lot of fishing trips? Yeah. Early on, we, uh, we went all over the Midwest, um, Michigan, uh, Wisconsin, uh, just, you know, a lot of fishing trips early on. Um, uh, then my sister was born. So those kind of, uh, those kind of stopped. And then once she was of age, we, we started going to the, on those again. Um, but yeah, so early on, we kind of had that where fishing was, you know, we loved doing that with our dad. Uh, but then after a while, kind of, kind of grew out of it and didn't go as much. Is it something you still think about doing or did you kind of just once, once you stopped going with your dad, it was, that was it? Yeah, no, I kind of grew out of it at a certain point and, you know, it was kind of his thing and I had my own things. Do you have any, does, did he have any like fishes, like mounted or stuff that he needed big catches like that around the house was that a no, thing? no nothing nothing like that no uh lot plenty of pictures though plenty yeah. of pictures him sitting there uh you know just you know big giant thing hanging off a hook uh, uh there's one funny picture that we had with uh him and my mom my uh again my mom just went along for the ride she you know lo loved my dad so of course they went on many fishing trips before i was born so there's a funny picture where they're both holding fish. And again, she's a very novice fisherman. Anything she knew, she learned from my dad. And so he's holding this like small little, you know, guppy looking thing. And then she came out with the catch of the day, this three foot monster, right? Him being, this, you know, almost pro fisherman and she got the best of him. So uh, we have stuff like that around the house, which is pretty cool. Uh, good, good, good memories. Now you said she was, I'm sorry, you told me not, again, senior moment here, but Cuba, she was Cuban. Is that right? Yep. Cuba, so, Havana, Havana, Cuba, she was born. Did you, like, was her migration, I'm getting my timelines, it was probably, like, this was post Castro when she got out then? Correct. Yes. Did she, did she ever talk about like living, I mean, she was eight. I don't know if she'd have any memories of 
being there or did she, I guess, can you even go back? Or, I mean, is that something once you're gone? You know, it's been, uh, it's been on our list of things to do together. Um, I, I have not been, neither has my sister. Um, and my mom, my mom has not been back since uh, she left when she was eight. Um, just, you know, life kind of gets in the way. Uh, you guys know the, you know, we've had some family issues with recent years with passing. So, um, you know, she's been taking care of a lot of people. So I made it a point to tell her like, Hey, we need to, we need to go take a trip together. Um, I'd love to go. Um, at this point, uh, I don't think we have too many relatives that are still living. There might be one or two people that are, you know, who knows if they'll even know my mom, they definitely won't know who the hell I am. Uh, but yeah, we want to go, uh, take a trip, uh, and, and go visit and see what it's like. Um, I hear that's difficult again. Like there was a brief period where they kind of opened up a little bit and then they locked that back down again. So I don't know how easy it is now these days. Yeah. Same. I'm not sure. I, uh, I heard it, I heard it was really hard. Then it was really easy. Then it became hard again. So I don't know. I, I'm going to have to do some research and, uh, yeah, I've thought about just, she's the kind of person that she won't plan it for herself. She's mm. the last person on, you know, everybody before herself. So that's actually on my list of things to do is uh, make that a present, just buy the damn tickets <laughs> and uh, figure out, uh, you know, all the accommodations that, that need to be done as far as, you know, uh, traveling to Cuba is what, what needs, you know, requirements. Uh, but surprising her with that, I think that'd be pretty cool someday, maybe in the next year or two. The other thing, I'm a little disappointed thinking about this again, just missed opportunities. And it's, I guess it's not completely gone. So I'm going to, I'm putting it out there now, but I'm assuming your mom is, cooks a lot of Cuban food. So you got to hook us up. I love Cuban food. So that the next time we're in the city, however we can, uh, whatever we can do your mom, if she needs, uh, the, the, <laughs> if she needs some uh, chores around the house or whatever it takes. But if I can get some Ropa Via uh, from like legit source that, that, yeah. Yeah, my mom's a mean cook. Uh, you know, uh, we've she's she's very very much uh, been a influence as far as our lives as far as uh, cooking, uh, mainly Cuban dishes. My dad, even though he was Polish, he was like fourth generation American. So uh, there was like a few things like kind of passed down that were like holiday dishes that he would make. But a lot of a lot of our food that we ate growing up was Cuban food. Um, so it was absolutely delicious. Uh, there's a couple spots in the city, however, uh, too, uh, I don't know where they've come from, but they, they, they're here. There's a couple Cuban restaurants that are really damn good that have kind of opened up in the past few years. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great thing. Like a lot of times on the podcast, you know, over the years, Tony and I have talked about the cool thing about cities, you know, when you get to be a certain size, you get enough immigration in there where you can get all different kinds of foods like that. And yeah. And I mean, I, I, I'm still grieving. There was a Cuban restaurant on um, California near the blue line. It was called Pancho's. That was my introduction to Cuban food. And it's still like the standard for Ropa Via. And I've yet to get it to that. Like it closed down. It was right next to the police station there. Um, and I think like the cops always used to frequent it. It was great. And the other thing that was cool is that they had all these Three Stooges pictures up in the front. They had this diner. I just love that, like, they had this cross-cultural, you know, like, it didn't matter what your what your background is. They could, you could appreciate the genius of the Stooges. Um, but anyways, I digress. Um, so my message to you, uh, Joe, is uh, learn how to cook those dishes. Man, I don't know if you can. Do you, can you cook those? You know, there's there's some that I can. Like, I can, I can, I can make, uh, make some good, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, rice and beans, chicken and rice, Agreed. right? Um, th- those kind of things. My sister has actually picked up a lot of the cooking gene. So uh, I'm very happy that she's done that. So she's, she's turned into a formidable chef herself. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I mean, those family recipes and there's, I didn't, I wasn't wise enough when I was younger. My mom had a couple dishes. She did. Uh, she's not Italian. My father was the Sicilian, but she learned to cook. I think he coached her so that she could then cook the Italian meals for him, you know, cause she was just German Irish. So she just boiled potatoes and stuff like that. And they had, you know, whatever cabbage it was, it was never good, but he trained her. This is how we do it. And I tried to, she didn't write it down. And, and now it's just her mind is like, she doesn't remember. She did it all, you know, and it's just gone. There's a couple of dishes that she had that I wish I had, I had, you know, my sister and I did not pick that up. So definitely at least your sister should have it for the family. You know, it sounds yeah. like she's got that covered. Yeah. She's uh, my sister. She's taken over the reins as far as the, uh, the host for holidays. Uh, so she, uh, there was a book that my dad, my dad kept with all all sorts of things like recipes that we grew up with. Uh, some of them were like old family recipes, but they were just like like recipes that you know have been handed down in our family. Um, so she's got a hold of that, and she's uh, she's had a few holidays now where uh, she's kind of proven that she's got what it takes to uh, live up to that Dankowski uh, holiday uh, meals. So she's she's doing quite well. Um, did you guys, uh, did you pick up any Spanish growing up? You know, we, uh, my Spanish has gotten terrible over the years, but yeah, I grew up speaking Spanish. Uh, my grandparents, uh, my grandfather a little bit, uh, he, he, so he spoke English, my grandfather, um, cause the different jobs that he ca- had when he came over, uh, he had to, he had to learn how to speak English in order to interact and, and work. My grandmother, she never learned English. Uh, she, she got a job immediately at like a meat factory, uh, meat plant, you know, I, I don't recall, but, uh, it was a majority, uh, Hispanic, uh, you know, staff. So she'd go into work and she just, you know, kept speaking Spanish. So she never really had a need to speak, uh, learn English. Uh, so her English was pretty shoddy. So at a certain point after we were born, uh, my grandmother was no longer working. And so she kind of was like our babysitter. So mm. because she knew nothing of English, we learned Spanish uh, inevitably. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's gotten rusty. But, you know, I, I still can pull it out if I need to. Yeah, and I think when I mean, I don't know my actually my daughter's the linguist, but like getting it early is such a huge advantage. You know, those first five years when you're developing language. I mean, yeah, you'd probably be rusty for a little bit, but it would, there's stuff that's just probably buried in there that you could start accessing. So that's awesome. Uh, so, so many people I know, like I have a, one of my good friends from high school is Puerto Rican, but they like within a generation, like his kids don't speak it. Like he was one of the last ones, you know, like he could not get that yeah. translation to do it and it just gets lost and it's, it's, it's a bummer. Um, but that's cool. So did you grow up like um, neighborhood wise? Were you more in a Hispanic neighborhood or more in like a, a Polish neighborhood or neither? More more Hispanic. Uh, I'm, I grew up near like Montrose and Pulaski. Uh, um, so I think that's still considered the Irving Park. I don't know. They, they've, they've kind of shifted lines. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, very, predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. Um, you know, it used to there used to be certain areas that 
uh, were a little bit worse than they are today. Uh, you know, things have things have changed over the years. Certain certain streets were off limits. If uh, <laughs> me and my sister were to go, like you know, bike riding or you know, skating somewhere. Um, but yeah, predominantly Hispanic neighborhood uh, over here. Um, yeah, there's still like Albany Park is where I live now, not too far from my mom's. Uh, there's still a lot of like you know, like if you go on Lawrence Avenue, there's mm-hmm. so many so many good restaurants like Latin restaurants actually seems to be a lot more restaurants popping up in Albany park that are of many ethnic groups. You know, getting back to the Spanish thing. So I knew people Polish here in Chicago, they never spoke a word of English and they didn't need to because like um, your grandmother, they worked with the Poles. They had Polish television in Chicago, Polish radio. They, they could get by all the stores on Milwaukee at the time, we're on Milwaukee Avenue, we're all Polish. You can literally get by without speaking, po- uh, ever learning English. Um, now, the flip side is I know people who are from Ireland, Irish, like Stone Cold. And, you know, they don't speak Gaelic. Ne- neither, neither one of them. I mean, I guess that, because I don't know if that's a, uh, I don't understand Irish enough. I mean, Joe Cardinal, you're, you're part Irish. But I guess you're not born speaking Irish. Or Gaelic, I guess, right? I don't know. Does anybody know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know if my grandfather, you know, who was the Irish, you know, whether his name was Kane and all that. But to my knowledge, yeah, I mean, he was one of those like you could argue did he he barely speak English, you know? He but he did. I don't know if he had. He was definitely not bilingual. Um, but uh, so so you grew up there. Um, so when did you like what sports? Like when did you start getting? Was it like? the classic uh, little league and that kind of thing that your folks got you involved in? Yeah. I'm, I, yeah, I played baseball. It was my main sport growing up. Uh, it was the first thing that I, you know, loved actually had a major passion for. Um, I think I started playing when I was like nine, maybe nine, maybe eight. Um, and yeah, ended up playing uh, uh, just every year. Just that was my thing. Um, uh, I wanted to play other sports. My parents were, very like you you play one sport right play one sport like you know like you don't need to play football we we don't need any of that in our house uh you know for the they were i guess they're ahead of the times as far as the uh yeah. the brain brain trauma aspect but uh yeah so i played baseball majority of of my time uh i played occasionally like rec basketball and like intramural stuff uh but yeah that was my my first passion man baseball which park Played at a few. Um, uh, so I started over at Independence Park. Mm-hmm. It's a small little park on Irving. I don't know if you've sure. been there. Yeah, I know uh, exactly what you're talking uh, about. Yeah. Uh, so they that was like early, early on. That was where they had like, uh, it wasn't even, t- it was, I guess it's a step after T-ball. I never played T-ball, but like, it was like the pitching machine, you know, that wheel. Mm. Yeah, they'd have a coach. They'd put the ball in and it'd come <laughs> shooting at you. Uh, so I did that for two years with it was, it was baseball with a pitching machine. And then uh, I went over to Portage Park. Uh, okay. That's a little bit more west of here. It's a big park. Um, that, there. Yeah. And I played, I played baseball there for a few, for a few years. And then I went over and played over at like Rogers Park. Uh, yeah. So it was a big, big difference, like way up North there. So at Portage Park, did you ever jump off the high dive from there? Cause <laughs> That's a hell no for me. I'm a ground athlete. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't do heights. 
Yeah, no, no, you couldn't, you couldn't get me to jump from anything that high for sure. Yeah, yeah, I've never done the 10 meter either. That that looks fucking terrifying. But I've known a lot of people have done it. And I just I, you know, I hurt myself just off of normal diving boards, you know, <laughs> so like, I can't imagine and even like I said, just a jump would, you know, be um, and like, you know, to Tony's point, you want to protect the protect the, the business, you know, the, the important stuff. So um, the 10 meter out here, not far from where I live, Fox River Grove, they got the ski jumps. They got two ski jumps. These are Olympic ski jumps. And I've known, I've met people who have, who did the one jump, the one ski jump, the lower, but they won't, some of them won't even do the bigger one because you're way up. I mean, you're like, I don't know, 150 feet up or something. And you're coming down to, to ski jump. I can't even fathom that. And you always think about that agony of defeat guy, you know, in the wild yeah. world sports, <laughs> that'd be my ass. I'd flinch right at the last minute and that'd well, be it. Well, it won't be my ass because you'll never get me up there. It ain't, it's not happening. Yeah. I'm like um, Joe Dankowski. I, I don't, I don't like heights. I don't do heights. Um, yeah. Did you ever see, I've seen images online, like Instagram or whatever. They used to do that. At least they demonstrated it a couple times in Wrigley, Wrigley field. Like they set it up like a fake ski jump thing, like off of the, I don't even know how it, I'll have to look it up, but you can find it that they used to do that. <laughs> they did that a couple of times, which is just hilarious. Um, so he did T-ball in, in Little League growing up and then um, no sports in like grammar school or anything like that until uh, was it was at high school when that changed. Yeah, I mean, I played a little bit of like rec, rec there was like, uh, you know, they would have the, the, the I went to a Catholic grade school, uh, St. Viter. Uh, so they had like a basketball team and a volleyball team. And, uh, yeah, I never played for the basketball team. I would do like the intramural sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, they never had a baseball team. Otherwise I would have played there. Um, but yeah, I played baseball like, uh, in high school, um, along with like wrestling and, uh, yeah. But as far as grade school, there was never anything for me to do except, you know, I could have tried out for the basketball team, but I really didn't really care for basketball that much. Hmm. So, so you're like me, you're a Lane Tech alumni, right? You went to Lane? Sure. And then um, we're all over the place. We, we really dominate. And then um, you, so was it like freshman year? You're like, okay, now that the, all these sports are open to you, that's when you just start right from the get-go trying those? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I had a few things that I liked and, you know, uh, just, you know, baseball was still my number one thing. That was probably what I was, was pursuing more than anything. I wanted to, I actually wanted to play in college, uh, and I was pursuing that. And then my parents eventually kind of, you know, there's, there's not much market for five, nine shortstops in the MLB, uh, believe it or not. So my parents were like, you could either, you know, go to school and go to some of these small schools and, you know, D3 something or other in Iowa that is not known for education, or you can go to one of these schools that you got into that are geared towards education and, you know, come out with something better later on. So they kind of, uh, they kind of won that argument. And, you know, I think it worked out for the better. You know, I have guys that pursued that dream playing ball in college and, you know, some of them played for a few years, but same like me, you know, like we weren't gifted with uh, major league talent. So it gets really, uh, gets really tough at that level. And they kind of bounced around and, you know, maybe, maybe didn't get the same education that I did considering I went to a, a better university and decided not to, to, 
pursue anything. So, so um, obviously, you know, uh, when did you start wrestling? Uh, it wasn't until like eighth grade that I mm-hmm. kind of got into it, and then did it, did it, did it a little bit, and uh, grew up a, a WWE fan. So it was uh, kind of kind of started early on. Like that was probably another thing that I loved. I loved pro wrestling, man. Um, and then after a certain age, you kind of learn that's uh, not it's not so real, is it? You know, and kind of start kind of start leading into like what 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 are, what the real is. Um, so that's kind of how I kind of got into it and uh, moved on through there. Was it kind of a natural transition or was it tough going from baseball? Or you, I guess at eighth grade, you're kind of like you almost don't even I don't know. How was it like when you first started? I guess I shouldn't. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't any sort of transition. It was just kind of new, you know, and it's all, it's not, not that everyone, you know, some people are, are, are gifted. I was always a pretty decent athlete. So I, I was, I was pretty decent at most sports. I'd say never really good at everything, but I felt like, you know, I'm pretty decent at things and wrestling pretty physical and uh, you know, kind of, kind of made up with attributes and it kind of fit me. Uh, so that's why I enjoyed it. Um uh yeah did you wrestle all four years at lane then no i only wrestled for a couple years that was another thing like i said my parents were not big on me playing multiple sports they're you know very immigrant focused uh you know you need to focus on your at on your school and you could play one sport so i ended up only going for a couple years and they ended up making me stop because they wanted me to focus on my education grades were also part of it my grades suffered because uh of that. So they had a good argument with it, but, um, you know, kind of, I was not never happy with it, but you know, no regrets, I guess. It's kind of interesting because, you know, Cuba, uh, well, they have, they have wrestling, great, great wrestling program, but Cuba is known for baseball players and, uh, boxers, you know, uh, arguably one of the greatest amateur heavyweight of all time, Teofilo Stevenson, who, you know, just was obviously never had the chance to turn pro because, it was under communist rule at that point in the seventies. And I think he retired in 1980, uh, beastly man. Uh, you know, and there was, I guess Fidel Castro was a big baseball fan. They, they claimed he was a halfway decent ball player. Don't know what's true or not, but Cuba has, I mean, you playing baseball doesn't surprise me. That's just a big thing with the Cubans. I'm surprised you don't smoke cigars. Yeah, that's one I haven't gotten into yet. Well, we can help you with that. <laughs> so uh, after Lane, where did you go? I went to UI, uh, U, U, uh, U of I at uh, Chicago, UIC. Yeah. Um, my uh, my dad was actually a nurse at the hospital at UIC. So uh, in that in that swaying me to attend a better university uh i was lucky enough that because he worked there i was able to get a significant discount on my tuition so that was kind of uh that was kind of the the tipping point where my parents were like you can go somewhere else and you know possibly have to pay more take out all these loans as all the kids do right get into major debt or you can go to this university that's very well known for you know academics and you know you're going at a discount and, uh, you know, that was, uh, I look back and it was, it was the right choice. You know, you hear about all these kids that, you know, they're taking hundreds of thousands of dollars in loans and, you know, uh, you know, Becca's still, you know, my girlfriend, she's still paying off her loans, uh, from college. So, 
I was very fortunate that, uh, you know, my, my parents kind of swayed me in that direction. Cause I could have also been, you know, suffering with that, you know, school debt till now. Um, yeah, that's a huge opportunity. That's awesome. Yeah, that you're able to take advantage of that because yeah, you're right. It's crazy what, you know, the, the kind of debt people have to get into now to get, get their education. Um, but that's cool that you did that. Did you know going in, like, this is what I want to do, or did you have to figure that out? Oh, I was undecided till almost junior year. It was ridiculous. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, you know, yeah, I had no idea. You know, they, they, they kind of, I hate to say it. Like, it's not like, I felt like school doesn't really prepare you all that much as I know people, we go mm-hmm. to school and it's supposed to prepare you for the real world, but you know, in some ways it does in some ways it doesn't. Yeah. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, I, I mean, I was taking all sorts of gen ed classes to, to see like, Oh, maybe I'll like this. Maybe I'll like this come to find out. Eh, not really. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, I ended up, uh, gravitating towards the business school it just seemed like the right choice like as far as having a business degree in any in any facet uh would be beneficial in my life so I kind of I shifted towards uh that college after being undecided um uh, yeah what do you mean that college what what do you mean that college Uh, so you know they have like liberal arts college business college uh you know like oh, so UIC is a business college? No, 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 no. But that's one of the colleges, like one, like that, like uh, uh, the subgroups within the university, like yeah, like a university is made up of different colleges. So like you could you could, you could be going to the same university as someone who's going to liberal arts, but you could be a in the business college. So it's like, well, like same Kellogg camp- School up there, the Kellogg uh, thing in. Uh- Okay, Northwestern, yeah, like Northwestern has the same thing. Where yeah, like, Kellogg, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, so if you're at a university, there's like you know, basically instead of thinking of it as college, think of it as, as colleges and uh, programs. So okay. I I decided to enter into the business program, the business college. Uh, some people go to liberal arts and you know uh, other 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 colleges that have specific you know uh, degrees. So yeah. Okay. Cool. I mean, I know UIC. I mean, you know, I I've been to their uh, I've been there, you know, on their campus and to their auditorium and whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I never. You, I think. Wait a minute. I think I know somebody else that went to UIC. I get UIC and I get Southern Illinois mixed up. I mean, I know geographically they're you know miles and miles apart. But hey, I think I know somebody. Joe, didn't Dave? They used to train with us back in the eighty uh, uh, in the nineties. Didn't Dave go to UIC? Uh, I don't know, but I actually went, I went for a semester and crashed and burned. Uh, So technically, yeah, I, I, Joe took my path basically, but did did a better job because I I did lane and then I went to UIC, but uh, I also had no plan or no real direction. And um, yeah, like took some hard ass classes right away and was working. And like, that was it. I lasted like one semester and just like you know tapped out and then went on to find my fortunes elsewhere <laughs> so good of you to stick with it yeah um but i did i did spend at least you know a, f- a few months there uh in my youth so that's a, a i don't know it's can't say it was the most uh, beautiful campus 
you know, it was kind of, it was a little, especially by the time it was winter, it was all like cement and kind of gray and depressing. At least that's my memory of it, but it could just, could have just been my whole, the whole frame of mind I was in at the time. So. Um, yeah, they, they've changed the campus quite a bit, actually. Yeah. So uh, they, they put up, I mean, it's, I, I haven't been down there uh, in a few years, but I remember when I was a student, they were, they were uh, putting up a new dormitory mm. uh, right at a, is it Halstead and Roosevelt, maybe? Mm-hmm. Halstead and Roosevelt? Big dormitory, because that, that school was more of a commuter school. Right, that's what I did, yeah. You, you yeah, I was, I, yeah, I was a commute, I commuted to, to UIC my first year and absolutely hated it. Uh, I, I, was, I was commuting from the northwest side. I had a part-time job downtown. Uh, brutal, just, you know, uh, 45 minute train to get home at night after working my part-time job to go back for 8 a.m. classes, just kind of, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they established new dorms and they, they, they kind of changed that whole area, like right near little Italy and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be the projects over on Taylor street. You remember yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, they, they kind of got rid of that. Like there's, there's all sorts of like, new bars and restaurants that have opened up in that area. It's, it's very different now. Isn't the whole house down the street from uh, UIC? Jane Adams Hall? hall house? Yes. Yep. yes Absolutely. I was there. Um, you're probably old enough that Jane Adams probably took care of you a little bit there and helped you. I, it's funny because my, the high school I graduated from in Cleveland was Jane Adams. Oh, really? That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when I went to the university, they, they used to call it Circle. Like going to the circle. I don't know if that, yeah, I don't know if that, that still was a thing. I think they were moving away from that. Uh, but yeah, basically the kind of grind you're describing, that's what I was like. I was like, why am I doing this? I hate this. And then, you know, so yeah, if I had transitioned to maybe being on to more traditional, like being on a dorm and things like that, but I just, whatever. But that's cool that you were able to do that. Um, yeah, well, it wasn't until, uh, yeah, it wasn't until I, moved onto campus that I really started enjoying UIC. So yeah, I didn't commute all four years, just that first year. Um, the second year I started living off, off uh, on campus and it really changed uh, my entire experience. I will say um, I joined a fraternity and, you know, that kind of uh, aside from the, you know, the, the obvious partying that happens uh, in that, you know, uh, realm uh there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits as far as like networking um you know so as far as like creating relationships and meeting good people you know part of that that group set me on a path like oh maybe you should get into the business college right like so i was kind of surrounded with guys that mm. you know uh had not just you know uh, booze and women on their mind but uh also uh, later success in life. So um, it definitely helped me out a lot was, was being on campus, being in a fraternity, uh, as weird as it sounds, kind of helped uh, move me along as far as my college career. And I still am good friends with those guys and uh, provide me with like a solid network of people. If, you know, if I ever lose, you know, lose my job or something, uh, you know, I, I, I got a lot of guys that I can kind of hit up that in many different realm uh, areas that, you know, potentially could help me out or, you know, refer me somewhere, you know, so. Yeah, you can never underestimate the networking, man, and the connections you make. So as kind of a non-fraternity guy, like, 
and I don't know if you're at liberty to disclose this, but how how bad was the hazing? Like, was it like was it? I've heard of some creepy stuff. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, I, you don't want to you never want to discuss too much. But no, you know, you you hear these uh, horror stories. Uh, you know, uh, guys wearing diapers and you know having you know getting peed on and all sorts of weird things. Nothing like that. You know, it's very much kind of what you would expect as far as like a lot of like uh, scavenger hunts, you know, you'd have to like do studying. There'd be like, you know, it's, it's kind of like taking an additional class, right? Hmm. Like when you're, when you're pledging, you know, you have to learn about your fraternity. You get, you know, we would, sh- we would show up and there would be, you know, an exam, like a, a weekly quiz. Like it was, it was kind of like taking an extra course during the semester. You know what I mean? Uh, they would kind of hold weekly classes where you'd go in, you you were expected to study and, you know, show up for your quiz. Uh, there'd be other extracurricular activities such as scavenger hunts, et cetera. Uh, you know, we, you know, don't want to talk too much, but, you know, certain things that you had to uh, go, go deface this thing on campus. That's your mission, you know, <laughs> things <laughs> like that, that shouldn't give too much details, but so it, it's, yeah, it's, very traditional experience. Nothing like, uh, nothing like you read about. Um, I remember that when, when we first, me and a couple of guys that were going to pledge, I was like, I don't know about all this, right? Like, you know, you hear all these stories. Sure enough, like the week after I decided to go through with it, because I was kind of swayed. There was a couple of guys that were already in the fraternity that I'd gone really tight with. Uh, and, um, we see this documentary on TV about this just like horrific Florida fraternity, like guys are just, just being absolutely abused, like just like forced to drink all sorts of like, like alcohol poisoning and all that. I'm like, Oh my God, am I getting myself into this? But <laughs> luckily it was, it was nothing like that. All really good guys. Um, some of them, you know, I, 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 uh, I just saw, you know, recently a couple weekends ago at like a, at a barbecue, you know? So, um, yeah. So it was, it, for me, it was a very positive experience, you know, can't speak for everybody else, you know, but, uh, it's, it's been a, a strong one in my life. Hmm, that's good to know. Yeah. No therapy required then. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought this, um, is what this was for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, uh, when did you start, uh, training in jujitsu? When did, when did that all start going down for you? You know, actually, so uh, after high school, I, you know, kind of got into like watching the UFC a lot. Uh, and, you know, obviously the the, the popular jujitsu kind of was uh, there. So I started taking some intro courses during college, um, kind of piqued my interest. Um, uh, I, I kind of picked it up pretty fast. I felt pretty, pretty good with it. And um you know, re- wrestling and jujitsu, they tie really well together. So I felt like I picked it up really well, but I, I, you know, with, with my school schedule, you know, looking back on it, I wish I would have continued, uh, just between school and work and like, you know, I was doing stuff with the fraternity, which, you know, it just seemed like, uh, I, I, I let that slip a little bit, but, uh, so yeah, I started doing it in college, but it wasn't a regular thing. And then after college, as soon as I graduated, it was kind of like, all right, I found a gym up on the Northwest side after I moved back up North. Uh, 
over on Montrose and Western. Do you guys remember Conviction Fitness? That sounds real familiar. I don't well, know. I'm not familiar with it. Um, it's, it's torn down now. It's an apartment complex. Uh, that's actually where I met Bender. Uh, oh, really? I think he talks about that place. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a really sweet spot. Uh, they had... They had a full boxing ring. They had uh, they had, they had a full matted area for like wrestling, jujitsu, muay thai, uh, and then the other side of the room was just you know a, a vast assortment of weight training. Uh, you know, a lot of CrossFit guys, a lot of a lot of powerlifters uh, were 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 all also in that gym. Uh, so it was a real cool spot, and uh, it was right right near my house. So I gave it a shot and. I, I met Bender there. That's how we started uh, training together. I think he was a purple belt at the time. Yeah, so that's how long ago it was. So uh-huh. it sounds like a nice place. It's unfortunate it closed up. Yeah, the owners were kind of shady, like all sorts, of, like just shady. Like it was a really cool spot, but they they had some tendencies, and you know, it, it's very unfortunate because you know, just just because you own a business doesn't mean you're cut out own a business you know what I mean so uh they let that fall and you know I ended up you know that ended up closing down I ended up moving to a different spot to train that was kind of under the same gym like umbrella and interesting so you know it's funny just not knowing your story prior to this and just working out with you because it sounds like you wrestled just a few years in high school and not in college if that's right and then because I always thought of you as like I was always impressed with your wrestling like foundation that you had and you were always kind of like the wrestling guy, <laughs> you know, like for, like I didn't look at you and say, Oh, he moves like a jujitsu guy. He, it's like, he's a wrestler. He's, he's, a great athlete. he's a great athlete. He's, yeah. I mean, that's just, for wrestling, man. You're, Joe, you're very explosive, Joe, you know, uh, Dankowski. Uh, I got to clarify which Joe I'm talking about. Joe, when, yeah. I, when we're talking about good looks or people who are just cool, we're talking about Joe Cardinal. But when we're talking about normal people like you and me, then we're talking about you. You're a very explosive, technically sound, you know, on, on your am, you know, on your straight amateur wrestling stuff. It's really impressive. Well, thanks, Coach. I mean it. Yeah, definitely. You're on your own with a lot of guys. I mean, straight wrestling. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that you didn't have as much uh, background as considering what, you know, the skill set you have there, or at least what I saw. Grant, you know, I'm not the greatest judge of it, but that's impressive. Um, and then, yeah, so um, now was Conviction Gym, was that, I know you do some like, a, I've seen pictures of you doing Olympic lifting. Is that where you got into that? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Um, I, I, I started lifting back in high school. You know, they kind of had all the athletes, uh, you know, you were kind of, you know, pushed to lift if you were an athlete at Lane Tech. So that's kind of where I got my start lifting uh, and then continued lifting uh, more aggressively in college um, uh, to where it became, a you know, a full, a full passion of mine outside of, you know, just, you know, learning to lift. It, it became a part of me. Um, and then uh, a few years later, I ended up becoming a personal trainer, but it wasn't necessarily because of conviction fitness, although yeah, I'm sure there's a little bit of, you know, that played a hand in it. But yeah, I mainly just wanted a place to lift after college. And uh, uh, it also had, you know, jujitsu, mixed martial arts. So I was like, all right, th- this is 
Uh, I spent the first week kind of scoping out the jiu-jitsu match, the uh, mats, just to see what they were doing. You know, I'm like, all right, what is, what is this coach doing? Do I like this guy or whatever? Uh, so I spent the first week just, you know, I bought a membership and was just watching them roll around. I'm like, all right, I'm going next week. Uh, and I've been doing it ever since. Were there any good guys on, out of that gym or were they all like Bender? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't answer that because I'm just ball busting because I, Jay- I know Jason's going to watch this. So, Jason, I'm only kidding. <laughs> no, Jason's great, man. Uh, yeah, he is. There, there was, uh, we, we had quite a few, few talented guys there. Um, the, we were all under the Carlson Gracie uh, umbrella, Carlson Gracie team. So uh, after, uh, after that, it closed down. Everybody just kind of shifted over to like the, the, the headquarters, Carlson Gracie over in Logan Square on Milwaukee. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a, a lot of decent guys, a lot, a lot of good competitors uh from from back when i started training there um what um man what was i gonna say and i forgot i totally forgot what i was gonna say go ahead joe because i forgot i was well i was gonna i was gonna before we i want to get back to the lifting just kind of uh but before we do i keep forgetting uh because we're talking about college is that this i don't think i've ever shared the story about uh my athletic uh, experience at Circle or for University of uh, Illinois uh, Chicago campus. So I had in high school at Lane uh, for like my senior year, I got on the gymnastics team, which is no major accomplishment because that was like a, a C-list sport for them. They didn't, you know, they were all football, baseball, basketball. So like literally the swim coach also did the gymnastics coach. And I think he was kind of like looking up the rules in the book as it went. You know, so because I could mostly our team was made up of break dancers to give you an idea, you know, like and they could do this so they could flip and do things like that. And I wanted to get into it. So long and short of it, I was always into that kind of I was transitioning to trying to very late in life for that type of sport, trying to get into it. And when I went to um, uh, uh, Circle, I'm going to keep calling it Circle. Um, the kids circle who were there, campus, right? That's what you right. The Circle about. Campus. Right. Yeah, I've heard that term. Circle right. Campus. Exactly. So Circle Campus. Uh, the gymnastics team now they were real gymnasts they were like you know college level gymnasts kids who had grown up doing it and I, I took one look at them I'm like I'm not even gonna try it this is embarrassing you know like the stuff I was working on uh, rudimentary stuff so um, but they they basically I found out they the diving team now this is the same the guy who wouldn't jump off the three the three meter the 10 meter platform said you know what that's kind of like gymnastics right they're doing flips and stuff let me see if I can get on and sure enough they're just like Literally, no one joins the diving team at that time back in the 80s. So like, yeah, join on up. But I had to go through a health check. And uh, when I'm going, like at the beginning of the season, they have have doctors that check everybody who's going through. And um, I guess the dive season or the pre-training was, they had the football players in there. So all these football players are going ahead. And then I walk into the doctor's office and they're like, oh, here comes the golf team. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, yeah, that's my story, my athletic background at the uh, Circle Campus. But anyways, I digress. But I, well, a funny I just want to interject for people who don't know anything about Chicago. Uh, and I wasn't part of, I didn't grow up here at all in Chicago. But Chicago, with their park districts, I mean, there's, I don't know if there's a better city, maybe New York, to to be brought up in and and have opportunities for athletics. Because I met a lot of old timers, you know, that, 
learn how to box at the park districts, right? Or uh, learned how to golf. You know, you mentioned golf. Learned how to golf at park districts. The girl, you know, the love of my life, she was like the inner, you know, years ago, we broke up a long time ago, but she was like the Chicago Park District uh, diving champion, right? And she was a gymnastic uh, champion locally in Chicago. So Chicago has a lot to offer. Archery, that's another one. Everything, man. Chicago's, I, I had soft to Chicago. Cleveland didn't have shit like that. That's on my that's on my to do list this year. Archery, oh. I got to on everything. Did you have a place picked out yet, or Joe can no. help you with this one? Yeah, there's a really well. There's a there's a couple now, but the one that I've been to. So I actually got tipped off one of the guys who uh, on our podcast earlier, uh, Rick Salo, who's a big Muay Thai coach, and not too far from Jason's gym. But he he, he hooked me up. There's a a place in Park Ridge that's got a range that and they do like really cheap private lessons and they can hook you up with a bow. Uh, and then there's, yeah, outdoor ranges out here by me. And I think actually we've had a couple of guests. So the place that I haven't shot at um, is actually the Fortes of Fitness. Uh, so we've had uh, Greg Melee uh, and Jesse, those two guys, those are the sword fighting guys, but they're on, they're right by Rick Solo's school and Jason's school on Ravenswood. They've now opened up an archery range. So there's a couple different options. Like I said, I've never trained at uh, Forteza for their archery, uh, but I can say for sure that, uh, gosh, I can't even remember, but Park Ridge has, uh, a, not Park Ridge. Uh, anyways, I'll talk to you afterwards. I'll hook you up. So um, awesome. definitely know awesome. some recommendations. So uh, it's cool. Um, so as far as lifting, were you, for me, like, you know, I think like as a kid growing up when I had access to weights, we were always doing things like bench presses and squats and stuff we're, back in, in like lane days where they because like I said, the Olympic lifting is pretty technical. When did you get into Olympic lifts specifically or what were your lifts, I guess? The compound. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the looking back on it, their lifting knowledge in high school was was pretty, you know, primitive. Uh, it was basically the football coach. Uh, or one of the coaches was, you know, a, a good lifter at some point in his life. So he kind of just dished out the workout plans for all of the sports, even though, mm -hmm. you know, different sports have different, you know, uh, requirements as far as like strength, power, speed, et, et cetera. So not exactly the, uh, the best way to go about it. So we, you know, I, I was following a, a plan from the football coach, which was very much geared towards football players, although it was handed out to everyone. Uh, but yeah, a lot of traditional lifts, benching, squatting, deadlifting. Uh, we didn't do, we didn't do in many, I, I'm not going to, we, we did Olympic lifting, but not technical Olympic lifting. Let's just say that it was just like hang cleans, power cleans, uh, but not with any technical prowess. They showed us a, a, a clean and guys would try to emulate it, but there wasn't really good formal coaching. It was just how, how, how heavy a weight can you thrust off the floor and catch on your chest? You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, uh, not, not to hate on, you know, the, that coach or anything, but this is kind of what it was back in the early two thousands, right? Like I think the, the knowledge as far as like sports, sports uh sports training and athletic coaches is uh greatly increased but uh so it started with just traditional lifting uh and just bare bones olympic lifts in, in high school um i ended up 
wanting to get better at Olympic lifts, honestly, because of my profession, um, for, with, with personal training. Um, I don't really train too many Olympic lifting athletes. However, uh, certain, certain clients come with that want or need where they want to work on those skills. Maybe they're a CrossFitter, uh, and they, you know, want to get better at their, their snatch or whatever. Right. So, you know, that's, that's something that I, I wanted to be able to develop myself so that I could coach those kind of athletes. So as far as Olympic lifting, it's not, I've, I, I haven't really set any, any primo numbers or competed at it, but it's just been something that I've supplemented with my, with my own physical training. Uh, and also just for my career so that I can, you know, uh, learn the intricacies of those lifts so that I can, you know, coach athletes, uh, you know, and lifters to do them well. Now, I should know this and maybe transition away from your academic career. So uh, is your full-time gig personal training now, or does that? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, I've been personal training now for uh, about 10 years. Um, yeah, full-time. It's my full-time, full-time gig. Yeah. And just I just want to add, I want to throw something in about the Olympic lifts. Uh, and it's unfortunate for me with this. So you, you've heard me talk about Ronnie Moon, my first jazz accordion teacher. This is back when I lived in Cleveland. And I did not know this until years later, when I was already living in Chicago, that Ronnie's sister uh, went to high school with a, a legend uh, of Olympic lifts, Charles Vinci, who was an Olympic gold medalist. And he was a very small man, Italian guy, very small, like 4'11", 5 foot. He, he wasn't the shortest. There was a guy named Joe Di Pietro, who was like 4'7", or 4'8". But anyway, Charles Vinci... And he, he passed away now. And he, he wasn't necessarily a recluse, but, you know, you couldn't, I mean, he, he wasn't like on television locally or anything. Pisses me off because if I would have known while I was in Cleveland that Ronnie's sister went to school with him, I would have been like, hook me up. You know, I would, I would have loved to have met Charles Vincey because I just, just a few years. Well, I started with Ronnie Moon. I think when I was, I always say 21, but I might have been 22, but I think I was. 21 or something something like that because my grandfather died so i was done with rod Van about three four years when i met rod uh when i met ronnie moon i might have been 22 when i was with ronnie moon so you know strength was really on the top of my my priority list it would have been a pleasure and a highlight of my life if i could have met charles vincey I, I regret that all right i'm done i just wanted to throw that in there well, that's an interesting story that's a cool. great guy you know he would know he would have he was his he's in a Italian American Sports Hall of Fame. He's pound for pound. He was the strongest man in the world at one point. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so do you, well, I guess we should make a, a pitch for your business now. So if people did want to yes. reach out to you for personal training, how do they get a hold of you? Where do you, where do you train out of that kind of stuff? Uh, so I, I'm training out of the same place I've been training for years. Uh, it's a fitness formula club over uh, in East Lakeview. It's uh, right at the corner of Pine Grove and Waveland. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I got a Facebook page. I got an Instagram, although I'm not really active on them. But I have them in case people want to reach out. I'm, I'm on it. You'll um, put all your info on the YouTube channel. Yeah, so send me what you want. And, and anybody who's watching it will be below in the uh, YouTube uh, text. So uh, please send that. Before, <laughs> I'll forget to ask later. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah I primarily work out of FFC. Um, and I do have like one or two clients that I do, 
uh, you know, over the years that I, I'll, I'll do things outside of the gym, whether it be, uh, you know, as far as like in-home or, or, or writing out programs that they can follow, you know, online, uh, I do those services. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, Joe does some in-home servicing too, but of a different sort. Yeah, we keep that on the dark internet, though. That's a whole different different podcast completely. Um, but yeah, so like, what are the kind of ranges of people that you, that you work with? Are you, you know, is it, do you, uh, what kind of customers do you have? Uh, so being that it's in Lakeview, uh, you know, it's right by Boys Town. So, uh, you know, uh, I would say that majority of my clientele are are, are gay men. Uh, mainly just trying to put on muscle mass. Uh, so I, I, I tend, I tend to have those kind of guys gravitate towards me. Um, just, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, if you know that, that culture, uh, uh, vanity is a thing in that neighborhood. So, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a uh, lot of, you know, hey, being that it's pride, uh, pride parade day today, uh, you know, they, they kind of get ready for like, events like today where they can, you know, be out on the street and show it off. Um, so, but, uh, as majority, it's, it's a lot of general population, you know, you get a lot of people with, uh, minimal lifting experience, novices, they might be starting their fitness uh, journey, or they could have, you know, could have a little bit of experience, but, uh, very, very generic goals. A lot of, you know, want to feel better, want to move better, you know, want to drop a little bit of body fat here want to build a little muscle here, stuff like that. So uh, really just general population. Um, I've, I've gone into doing some more post rehab. Uh, so clients, you know, they go to, they go to physical therapy, you know, they've, they've had an injury, you know, I've, I've gotten into the, uh, uh, the space where I can kind of help clients transition from being, they've just got an, over an injury. They've done their PT work with the physical therapy and I can kind of bridge the gap between, you know, physical therapy and getting back into like, you know, lifting training, you know, at a, at a smooth progressive pace. Uh, so I worked with those kind of clients, um, getting them, uh, back from rehab. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, you know, the, the gist of the people I see, uh, and then occasionally every once in a while, you know, you get a surprise athlete or something that, you know, that walks in the door that wants to do some very heavy ass lifting or, uh, you know, train for a powerlifting meet, uh, which is rare at that gym. But, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, it's majority of it. Uh, you mentioned obviously a lot of young men looking to bodybuild and things like that. Do you also have like a, a, a group of women that also work out? Is that, are they, do you, do they have customers like that? Oh yeah. No, they have all sorts of, you know, uh, all sorts of, you know, people that come to FFC. It's not, you know, again, it's a very, it's a, it's a health club. So, you know, it's, uh, it's not a, like a, an athletic training facility, although we have physical therapy in-house, you know, so they have, they have that, uh, there's Pilates, there's, you know, the group fitness classes, there's, you know, spa massage. So it's, it's a full blown health, uh, health club. Um, FFC, it, if, uh, for those that don't know, it's, uh, pretty well known in the Chicagoland area, as far as like, uh, you know, being up there as far as probably close to, I guess the bet, the best equation would be Equinox. Uh, although I think Equinox charges a, 
significantly higher monthly rate. Uh, but yeah, in that in that you know area of uh, higher end uh, premium health clubs, if you will. Have you? Um, is it mostly younger people, or do you have older people that come to you as well? Oh, I a lot of I I, I have a wide range. I would say anywhere between like my youngest client is in their twenties. Uh, but my, and my oldest client is in his seventies. Wow. So yeah, I have some clients, uh, I would say the bulk of my clients are between the like late thirties to sixties range in there. That's quite a range too. I mean, and it must be interesting. Like, like how do you first assess client when you, you know, like, do you try and get their background, what they did before, or do you take them through certain exercises carefully? Like, I can't imagine like with older people too, you've got to really be concerned about injuries and things like that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I do. When I first meet with somebody, I always want, I want to have like a, a sit down conversation, like face to face, kind of just sit at, sit and talk. I take notes and, uh, we go over all the, all the stuff as far as uh, their health, their their injury history, you know, obviously talking about their fitness goals. But, you know, it's important to know, like, what they've done uh, in the past and what they've done to themselves as far as, uh, the, you know, some people have nothing wrong with them. Other people have a long laundry list of injuries, uh, you know, so, it you know, it's important to know those going into a training program. And then usually the the first session, uh, assuming they want to begin training, uh, usually if they're seeing me for a consultation, that is the case that will begin the next day. First session, I kind of treat as a an all around assessment. Um, I have a I have a generic uh, assessment that I follow, but I, depending on what the person brings to the table, I might adjust what we do to that person you know, because not, you know, uh, to me, fitness is, you know, you, you can't put a, you know, round peg in a square hole, right? Like, you know, it's uh, the, the program's got to fit the client. So, uh, so I have a generic assessment that I follow, but I will vary it depending on what the, the person brings to the table. Um, but yeah, if they're a more, you know, if they're a seasoned lifter, right? Like I, I get people occasionally, men or women, where they've been exercising for many years. Well, then that first session could be a slightly more intense session. If I know that, oh yeah, this guy comes in, he's benching 250. Oh, okay. Like I could, I could, let's, let's go on the bench and see what you got. Like, and then, you know, I kind of know where this person's at, critique their form, et cetera. If I'm getting a novice and they've never lifted a thing in their life, uh, obviously that's not going to happen. It's, it's going to be a lot of teaching. Sometimes, uh, you know, you'd be surprised. You think everyone knows how to squat, right? Like you say squat visually. If you say that, you're, everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know what a squat is. I've seen that before. You, you squat to, you know, sit on the toilet every day, right? Everyone, you know, but you'd be amazed how often I'd say let me, uh, for first day with a client, let, let me see you do some, you know, just some body weight, air squats. Let me see what you have. And it's just horrendous what what comes out you know what they perceive as a squat you know uh you'd be amazed a lot of people don't know how to move their bodies well so um yeah so when i get a, when i get a, a new client obviously 
there's going to be some some teaching involved like they're not going to have all the basics down we're going to have to break down form for a lot of things before we could actually get to to lifting anything heavy right or anything substantial you know are your immediate plans to stay in chicago or chicago land uh i don't know we'll see uh becca keeps trying to get me to move out to the suburbs for some reason but yeah that's not my uh i'm 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 pretty city boy so i, I don't know I'll, I'll have to talk with her soon you know <laughs> i'll need I, you to straighten her out yeah i'll straighten her out man you know <laughs> I, i'll be the example don't do what i did you know don't no don't to, be, the city. <laughs> to be fair you're not in the suburbs <laughs> yeah that's true. i'm in the exoburbs I, I think they call it but did you know that we're going to get sidetracked but this is interesting because i did not know this until very recently that we're considered a collar county only because even though we're like two or three counties separated there's a point somewhere in McHenry County where it just touches Cook County somewhere like an extended period of Cook uh extended area of Cook County by no means are we anywhere near Chicago but it's just weird how how that is so the Cook Lake County uh McHenry I guess there's a conglomeration at one point, but yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm definitely not in the suburb of Chicago. Um, I was going to, yeah, it's, I, I can imagine like what you're saying where you, where people, everybody, oh yeah, I know how to squat. Like I'm sure a lot of people think they know things about exercises or how their body moves and they literally don't like, so you've got to, you can't take them at face value and go through that assessment first to kind of seize up maybe what they say or what they think they know. Um, and, um, the other thing too, and what's I'm learning, like, is I'm always readjusting expectations for myself because I remember 10, 15 years ago, what my progression would be, let's say for running, how, you know, what, what would be my buildup, you know, from the off season, like how quickly could I build up to a certain distance or to a certain weight? And I just can't do that anymore. Like my body, like what I thought it could do. You know, like I, I just I end up either getting injured or just, you know, I have to take it slower. Uh, and so there is frustration. So that it must be interesting for you to, you know, like every single person you've got to kind of, you know, you can't, there's no, each really has to be customized, I imagine. Like you can't, you know, there's no like one size fits all for any of these things. Uh, you know, if you're doing, if you're doing it well, then yes, it, it should be customized. You'd be, you'd be surprised how very often, you know, I, I, over the years I've, I've seen trainers, you know, follow a very cookie cutter style uh, training methods with their clients. But yes, I agree. It has to be customized. Um, that's, that's the only way to do it. And yeah, the, there's so many different variances in the human body. I mean, if, if we take the squat example, for, uh, for instance, I mean, you're looking at, I mean, three joints off the bat, the ankle, the knee, the hip, right? So there's a variance in how those joints move from person to person. Then that doesn't even account for how long the femur, right? The the upper leg bone, and then like the tibia, the lower leg bone. How, lo how long are those, right? Well, then how long is their torso, right? Like all those factors matter when it comes up to them folding up into a squat, right? That's going to change everything from their, their, the width of their stance, uh, their orientation of their feet, right? Are they, are they, you know, pointed straight, pointed out slightly, 
right? Uh, how much forward lean are they going to have compared to another person, right? That's all going to vary. So yeah, it very much, very much, can be, a squat could look different very much from 10, 10 different individuals if you have, have them, you know, squat in front of you. They call it the king of exercises, but for me, see, I could never squat. I mean, I squatted, of course, but I, I really, uh, a deadlift was fine. I had a strong deadlift, so people just assumed I could squat. I Even if when I would wrestle, like when I would just, you know, like with Bruce or somebody, a heavyweight, just tying up wrestling, I, I couldn't walk for two days, you know, my back. So as long as the weight's below, I can lift it. But anything across my shoulders or across my upper back, it just compresses my spine. It just wasn't going to work out for me. Um, and I actually, one, one day I, I talked to a, I don't want to mention his name because I, was, I wasn't a student of his or anything, or a client, as you, you would say, but uh, he was a champion powerlifter. And then, no, it's not Brian Klaus, uh, who was awesome, um, one of the strongest men I ever met. Uh, but, no, it was just a guy locally, and uh, I'm like, I would like to squat a little. And, you know, he just – he saw what I was doing. He just didn't advise it, you know. Just sometimes you just can't do it, you know. Your body's just not going to – you know, you got preconditioned or what do you call it, preexisting conditions or something. Squatting wasn't for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I've uh, – you know, it's a controversial statement, but, you know uh, – not everyone should be doing every lift, right? Like I've, I've had to talk with clients. I'm like, do you have to squat in order to be healthy? Right. It's a little philosophical there, but do you have to, do you have to deadlift in order to be healthy? Like though those movements, uh, and we're talking specifically barbell movements, right? Like those movements while good for certain folks and they could totally do them and, you know, do them very proficiently might not work well for everybody else or, 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 or certain folks. Right. So yeah, it's very, you know, I've, I've had these conversations with you. I've had clients where I'm like, you should never put a bar on your back. That's just that, that exercise doesn't exist for you. Right. Like other people can do it and that's fine. But like, maybe I transition, may, maybe front squatting is a better, better choice. You know what I'm saying? Right. Some people just, they don't need whether, whether they have, Back limitations, shoulder limitations, getting getting in that position is just not uh, a viable option. So, uh, putting them in, in positions where they can hold the weight in front, in a you know front load or front rack, uh, that could be a better option. You know, so yeah, it's uh, not one size fits. And yeah, there's certain clients that I I don't even have deadlift. That, that they don't deadlift with a bar. We might use we might use dumbbells. We might use kettlebells. We might use the hex, the, the, the hex bar, right? Um, so, you know, it's uh, not, not everything, you know, relies on that. It's, it has to do with what the person brings to the table, uh, you know, and also injuries too, Tony. I know you've had a lot of injuries. So, you know, that, that can contribute to not liking the squat for sure. Well, yeah, or good mornings. I won't, I mean, I've tried them, but I, I, that's a good morning is for me is like, it's a ticking time bomb, you know, because you know me, whatever amount I'm doing, it's never going to be enough. I'm going to always want to set the world record at doing a good morning. So I'm going to end up, you know, in the ICU unit for nine years. You know, I just don't want to play with my back. I just can't do it. Even bridging, wrestling bridges. I've, I've had to eventually eliminate those. I, mean, I can demonstrate them and shit, 
But, uh, you know, any kind of, when my back goes backwards, you know, um, and, and that's what, when that, I get that little arch in my back, my low back, that's what does it. Then I end up walking crooked if I can even walk at all. So yeah, it's not, it's pointless. I'm almost 60 years old, man. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't need to be doing all that shit now. Are there, um, like, I don't know. It must be kind of like a fun part of your, I don't know. Maybe it's a chore. Is it fun to kind of, cause there's all these new things coming out in exercise, like new trends and new, new directions. So it's, it's gotta be something like a constant, a constant learning for you. Like there's always a new approaches coming out. Um, are there any new approaches or, or things that are up and coming that have you interested or excited as, as far as like fitness? Um, I, I can't really point anything, point to anything that has me really excited per se. That's new. Um, there are a lot of things, you know, that have come out that I'm not excited about that, you know, as that become fads. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird industry. Uh, there's a lot of the same principles that have worked for like 20, 30 years. Uh, but in an effort and, and we know this, right? Like there's like studies showing that like these certain methods have worked. That doesn't mean like trying a new exercise every once in a while is a horrible thing. Right. But like, you know, you, you get these fitness gurus on Instagram that, you know, my way is the method. Everything you've learned up until this point is invalid. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's hard to navigate. I have clients, obviously they, they go on social media and I have to field these questions where they come to me. It's like, Oh, I saw a guy doing, I saw a guy doing this exercise. Like, what do you think? And I like, Oh my God, like the, the amount of, you know, bad information that's out there. Uh, people just trying to make a buck, uh, you know, so they, whether being selling bogus fitness routines, uh, bogus supplements, um, you know, just giving bad information in general, uh, that, that I have to navigate on a, a pretty regular basis. That's the self-defense world. A lot of bullshit out there, you know, uh, same. Yeah. All the horrible stuff, you know, but yeah, I guess it's like that, you know, uh, in, in, in a lot of, uh, like, I, you know, I'm a hobby, you know, I like to shoot pools, uh, pastime or a hobby. And it's, it's funny that, YouTube, because I've never been on Instagram. I've never been on TikTok. Uh, just Don't start. You know, huh? Don't start. No, no. But I'll, I'll see people, like, I'm talking about pool and a shooting pool. And I'll see these guys, you know, that, you know, are giving advice on how to aim or how to do whatever whatever the thing is. I'm like, um, yeah, okay. I mean, who are you? You know, I mean, this is not how the top players are doing it, okay? Uh, they try to, what I think they do, and maybe some of these TikTok guys that you're referring to or Instagram guys, you know, they try to mimic something or, yeah, yeah, they do that mysterious, they put that little mysterious thing. Um, I, I just, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm turned off by that stuff. Yeah, you see it in a lot of places, you know, in fitness, uh, you know, uh, definitely self-defense martial arts. You see that stuff, uh, you know, even to this day, despite the fact that, you know, you got 30 years of MMA footage to, 
you know, as evidence that certain martial arts work and others don't, you know. Uh, yeah, it's all over the place. I think I think social media brings that out, though, right? It's a platform where you can market something or a product. And there's people that, unfortunately, they're not educated on every subject. So, you know, they're they're the target, right? They're the gullible individual, right? You 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 mix some emotions in there. Uh, you know, that's 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 the power of uh, of that that selling on social media is that you could reach these people much 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 more easily. Oh yeah, or you could be knowledgeable. Like I got a hard time with some of these Navy SEALs who are claiming to be experts on everything that nothing they learned in the Navy, you know. Um, and that too long ago, I'm sure everybody knows who Neil deGrasse Tyson is, right? The uh, mm-hmm. the the physicist and all of that brilliant mind. Well, guess what? He had on a guest, Doctor Dave. I think his last name is Akatore. Uh, out of, uh, I think he's Colorado. He's a, a mechanical engineering instructor. But Dr. Dave is like the most knowledgeable pool guy, pool, pool playing as far as the physics of shooting pool. Okay. I mean, he knows everything. All right. About, I mean, he's not the greatest player in the world, but he knows all the, how, why does this work? Why does this happen? He's the guy that knows it. So a guy like Neil brings him on. I mean, that's what's cool. So Neil's not going around the world saying, well, I know everything there is about pool. Neil doesn't know the first thing about pool. He's an astrophysicist and shit like that. That's what he knows. So that's, that happens a lot in probably fitness or in, the, or in martial arts, uh, especially, like I say, a Navy SEAL or an Army Ranger or this or that. You didn't do any of this. This isn't part of your training in the, in the military. Um, but because they're... Uh, uh, a Green Beret or a SEAL or Army Ranger or Force Recon, people right away think, or a police officer, they think right away, oh, this this guy's got some credibility. Not, yeah, he does in his line of work, but not not in other subjects. You know, like, what do they know about tactical flashlights and tactical, all these tactical things, tactical parkas and tactical, uh, it, 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 it's, it saddens me because so many people get duped, you know, by this. Um, yeah, I, I remember I was, I'll, I'll close quickly, but I remember years ago, Robert Blake, the famous actor, Tony Beretta, he was advertising for STP, motor oil and, and engine additives and shit. And I believe it was on the Merv Griffin show when Merv or whoever the host was asked him about it. And he, and he said, this shit's, it's all shit. It's garbage. It's no good. It's junk. I wouldn't use it. Don't use it. Right. But yet he was hocking it for I don't know how long just to make a buck. And, of course, he got immediately fired. Um, but, yeah, sometimes people just do that shit to, like you said earlier, Joe Dankowski, to, to make money. It, it's a moneymaker. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I've, I've been approached uh, a, a few times now, uh, you know, the these uh, – these MLM companies, these multi-level marketing, these pyramid scheme companies. Uh, I've been approached a few times in, in my adult life by these people. Uh, and they, they're, they're the same thing, right? They kind of, they kind of trick you into not trick you, but they sort of omit details uh, as far as uh, what you're actually getting into, you know, and they kind of promise 
they, they promise certain things, certain outcomes, success, wealth, et cetera, through, you know, this path. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's, 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 it's everywhere. I've, you know, I've encountered that, that kind of, you know, people, people selling the snake oil, you know? Well, look at these MDs. I just seen a commercial. I I won't mention it because I I don't remember the name of it. I don't want to get anybody wrongly accused, but there is a doctor, a legitimate doctor who's selling these, these, uh, Joe Cardinal, help me out. They're like, uh, not strawberry pills, but they're some kind of juice pills or whatever, you know, some fruit pills. Or oh, no, a beets. That's it. Beets. You know, like beets, the red beets. These are pills that, and he's selling his, like, this is a superfood, right? And it's taking all my aches and pains away, this and that. This is all bullshit. And he is a licensed medical professional. It's bullshit. How do they get away with this? Yeah, that that is a problem. You you I I you get these people with legitimate backgrounds, right? You're talking about an you know a a, a, a real doctor, right? Yeah. Prescribing, yeah. you know, selling, selling, prescribing, same thing, right? Like just exactly, you know. Uh, and so you're a person in the general public who knows nothing about nutrition, and right. you see this doctor on TV maybe an advertisement online and you're like, Oh man, these beat pills. Yeah. I, need, I mean, I need me some of that. Uh, right. yeah. Yeah. That's totally, you know, it's, it doesn't help that you have these legitimate accredited people that go there. Right. They, they, they take that route of like knowing that the public is, is gullible. And then they, 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 they try to sell a product to make a buck. Uh, that that doesn't help either because you really just it, it, again if you're, you're looking for people that are legitimate, how do you how do you draw that line between who's legitimate and who's illegitimate, right? If you got a doctor that's peddling pills, right, and we and you know it's a bullshit pill, like where do you draw the line? How do you know uh, how do you know who's right and who's wrong? You see this in the fin- fitness industry too. I won't mention this guy's name, but he's a clown on social media. I mean, people have, this guy, it's this trainer who has all these bogus methods. He's a, he's a PhD, right? Legitimately? Yeah, legitimately, right? He's a PhD in exercise science or whatever. And he's got this human, humongous following on Instagram and YouTube. He's got all sorts of stuff out there. And Again, it's very snake oil. His method is the way, but but because he's got that PhD under his name, people think he's legitimate. He's got he's got pro athlete. He's developed such a following. He's got pro athletes that 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 train with him that only further his legitimacy, right? Because then you then as if you're the general public, you say, oh, this guy's training pro athletes. Well, he has to be the real deal. Yeah. But just because you're a pro athlete doesn't mean you know what's good for you, right? When it comes to like physical training, you know what I mean? Like, oh, exactly, hundred percent. Well, it just yeah, it's 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 scary. I guess it's not nothing new. I'm sure it's you know it's it's always been that way. I mean, going back to I don't know Charles Atlas at least. You know when he claimed he did all dynamic tension when 
In fact, he, he did lift weights. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but he was marketing something in particular. But, yeah, I don't know. It's, and you can't convince these people that, that, that this guy's not legitimate or, you know, the, oh, you're just a hater or you're just jealous or who are you? You know, all that kind of shit. I, I tend to not even deal with it anymore. When I, living out here um, is my very first taste of group conspiracy theorists, okay? When I lived in Chicago, I'd run into a conspiracy theorist every now and then. But in this area, they're all conspiracy theorists, okay? And nothing is wilder. I mean, it's like they want to outdo each other all the time. I can't, I don't even deal, the only way I deal with it is is changing the subject or, or, or walking away because you, you, you can't, you can't uh, show them facts. The facts, they, they have their own set of facts in their mind. Yeah, for sure. You know, some people, they go off the deep end and there's, there's, there's no, there's no turning back. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's, co- it's cognitive dissonance. The well, phrase. cognitive dissonance is exactly right when, when reality is, is not aligning with your thoughts. Uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, for example, um, when I was taking psychology and they knew what I did for a living, you know, uh, one of the, instructors was saying uh in a street scenario here's a cognitive here's an example of trying to use cognitive cognitive dissonance so he said imagine somebody sticks a gun out at you and says give me all your money and you go like wow i'll do that in a minute but damn i really like the clothes you're wearing that freaks them out right because (laughs) that's cognitive dissonance to these people because they're not getting the reaction that they thought they were going to get but yeah, you're right. You're right. There's so much of that that going around, and uh, I don't know. For me, I'm just uh, like I told you, I'm too old. I'm I'm burned out. I'm old. I'm an old crabby guy now. I don't I don't I don't want to be the man I am right now. But I just have to walk away from these people. It's just it's flat people, flat earths. You know, uh, uh, John F. Kennedy is is still alive. You know, he did not get assassinated. It's all fake. Uh, you know, forget about the fact that he'd be what a hundred and five years old or something. Now, they these people actually believe this stuff. Um, it's scary, you can't rationalize with these people, yeah, t- totally, totally. I've experienced this as well. Um, I want to circle back before we close. We've been going about 90 minutes, and okay. uh, first of all, thank you for taking the time and you're talking with us. It's always cool to chat. And I've learned a lot about you, which is cool getting, you know, getting to know you actually. Uh, uh, that's cool. Um, so like jujitsu wise, what's your plans? Are you at some point hoping to open up a gym, be a teacher? What's, what's the goal? Uh, you know, I, I, I get, you know, uh, I've been getting asked this a lot recently and I don't, I don't know if it's, you know, once you get to uh, a certain level, people just, it, this just happens, but yeah. Uh, I'm currently teaching now. Uh, so I actually have, aside from my fitness clients that I have, I, I do have a few clients that I do. Uh, I have two private jujitsu clients right now that I, that I train over at FFC, uh, my, my, my gym where I train at. Uh, we got like, a, we, you know, I got, a, I got a little five by 10 mat that I throw in the corner and we kind of do a little, little, little private session. Uh, I've, I show them the double wrist lock uh, per, per Tony. Um, 
But uh, make sure yeah. they know it's not jujitsu. Correct. I I I tell I tell them about you, Tony. Yeah, ever you know the the details that you've shown me as far as uh you know implementing certain holds. Uh, you know, uh, ever since I was a blue belt, they they changed they changed my game. You know, I don't know I don't know if I ever told you that, but oh. you know, until until I had met you, I wasn't really doing much to people. I mean, maybe I was pinning them and you know, like stuff like that. But actually finishing holds, uh, you know, I, I, owe, I owe you a lot of credit for that. Um, it's easy uh, with somebody like you. You're a gifted athlete. You're a sponge. And you have the thing that a lot of people don't seem to want to have. And that's that athleticism, that explosiveness, I meant to say. Um, and and it's, it's, it's thrilling to watch you wrestle. Well, thanks, Coach. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I'm, I currently got a couple private clients that I teach in my gym. Um, and then I teach, uh, a Nogi class once a week over at Viana brothers, uh, Viana brothers jujitsu over on, uh, Milwaukee and Rockwell. Um, that's where I train jujitsu currently. Um, so I teach that once a week on Sundays. Um, so yeah, I've kind of already started moving into a teaching role, if you will, uh, at my school. Uh, so that's been a, it's been a good experience. Um, as far as long-term plans, yeah, I really don't know how to answer that. I, I get that question a lot. Um, I think I think I've just been enjoying the ride. Uh, as you know, as far as like, you know, uh, jujitsu, catch wrestling, grappling. Uh, I even started taking judo uh, this year. I finally uh, uh, finally pulled the trigger. Bender's been doing judo for many years now, and I've been putting it off. But I bit the bullet and. Uh, I started training over at the school that he's at. Um, so, you know, even, even further, uh, you know, trying to change my skill set. Uh, that's, that's been, that's been a new thing for me is uh, implementing the judo, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have a, a long-term plan. I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. Um, you know, may, maybe there's a, there's a, a chance for opening up a school, but that is, you know, that's not outside the realm of possibility. Well, just as an outside observer, I mean, clearly you have the business degree. So you understand some basics about business and how to do a business. You have a passion for fitness and for the martial arts and the natural ability. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 I think that's why people are like talking to you about it because the rest of us outside can see this trajectory. You know, and he also has the, the experience and the ability to if there's like a rival gym he knows how to go over there and deface that building exactly <laughs> it's a win-win for this guy yeah absolutely well it's exciting i'm glad that we had this talk at this point in your career and it'll be interesting to see where it goes so hopefully we'll have you back and you can give us updates um you know and if if not on the podcast i'm sure we'll be seeing you training uh you know we need to uh, get you to be that catch wrestling instructor too, fully certified. Because uh, uh, clearly, with your passion and skills, we need more uh, instructors out there under Tony. So I'll make that pitch to you directly. Um, uh, and yeah, again, thanks for uh, coming out. Awesome talk. Uh, please send me the links that I can share for everybody to come look you up for personal training. And uh, yeah, awesome. Thanks for talking. You got any f final thoughts, Tony? Yeah, I mean, anybody that's looking for fitness or any kind of workouts in his area, uh, I he's another guy that I cannot uh, endorse highly enough. Uh, Joe's 
not only a sensational uh, instructor, but he's an ins a sensational person. And that's a big thing with me. You can be the most knowledgeable. When you're a real asshole, forget about it. Joe, Joe is everything that I would want. Uh, I'm old enough to be his father. So anything that I, you know, he's just like uh, the perfect guy. If I, if I had a, yes, he's just like the awesome. So yes, I cannot triple th there are two thumbs up and then two more thumbs up. So you got like four thumbs up for me, buddy. You know, I wish Cisco and Ebert was still alive. You know, we could get all of it. We need to have like more thumbs up than you could ever even count. Well, thank you, but coach. I mean, it. yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for that. No, it, uh, thank you guys, uh, Joe as well for having me. Uh, you know, it's, it's been a minute, but, uh, yeah, happily finally get on and yeah, we definitely need to, uh, get back to our regular training, uh, those Saturday trainings that we were doing, uh, that was a lot of fun. I'd love to you betcha. love to get back right, into it regularly again. We are going to make an announcement next week when we get the dates scheduled for my July workouts uh, at Bender Martial Arts and Fitness in DuPage Krav Maga. Uh, I think it's going to be the third Saturday and th definitely the third Sunday of July. I don't know the exact number. I didn't look at my calendar. But the third Sunday in July. We'll be at DuPage, Krav Maga, and then the day before that, we'll be at Bender's Martial Arts. Um, but, yeah, once again, thank you, Joe, and make sure you tell Becca that I said hi or good night because I said hello to her earlier. Tell her tell her good night. Uh, and, Joe Cardinal, I'll uh, see you uh, hopefully soon. We'll go bike riding. Not if I see you first. All right. See you guys. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. The <laughs> the